Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 29, which is called Ransomware Hacks, a clear case for sustainability and simplicity. Now, what I really want to do in this episode is to bring something to, to get you to bear in mind something that's happened in, the, in recent news and how that relates to sustainability. So I think by now that we are all aware of the recent high-profile ransomware hacks on the Colonial Pipeline, as well as the JBS meat supplier that shut down their packing plants for a couple of days, resulting in meat shortages. While such things may have affected only certain parts of the country, it certainly gets the attention of everyone. So in this episode, I want to talk a little bit about how these things can happen, how it affects each of us, and how this is a clear case for all of us to live a very simple and sustainable life. But first, I want to give a little bit of background information so that we are all on the same page. Ransomware is a form of malware. And the word malware is a combination of words, um, of the words malicious and software. So the term malware just covers all malicious software that is dangerous to your computer or any other device for that matter. Ransomware is a specific category of malware and it is very quickly it has very quickly become the most prominent and obviously publicly visible form of malware but what this type of software does after gaining access to a computer is that it encrypts certain files or maybe all of the files so that the owner of the device no longer has access to that device then, of course, the person or persons responsible for the malware attack demands money in order to give you the key or the code so that you can regain access to your device. Thus, the term ransomware. So, basically, ransomware is extortion software that can lock your computer and then demand a ransom for its release. Now, I guess in the big scheme of things, if this happens to you, it is only a problem for you as an individual. And this, has, this is something that's actually happened to me before. So someone gained access to my computer via the internet and implanted ransomware. And when I turned on my computer the next morning, 
this blue screen came up with this very official looking logo that appeared to be from the US government and there was also a photo at the top of the page so what this software does is that it gained access to my computer it uses your webcam to take a photo locks your computer then this message comes up with your photo at the top of the page with several paragraphs of text accusing you of various crimes then it states that the government law enforcement officials are on their way to your home to arrest you but you can prevent that if you pay the fine for your crimes they of course give you a code and a specific place to go to in order to pay so of course when this initially happened I was extremely disconcerted but then of course I began to laugh a little and realized that it was really just ransomware or a virus and and first of all I always keep my computer screen tipped back a little bit so the photo that was taken only captured the the back of the room in fact it was the top of my bookshelf then I thought government officials that come to your residence to arrest you do not give you notice much less via your computer so I'm not exactly sure how this happened or if there was a way to have prevented this but it was only a problem for me so I had to take my computer and get it fixed which cost me $150 and once I had it back I actually taped a piece of paper over my webcam which remains there to this day and I also put some more uh, additional security hardware or software on my computer and I purchased a one terabyte external drive and I now back up my computer once a week so now imagine if this sort of thing happens to a large company or even a government office and this obviously has happened so in recent years ransomware attacks have become increasingly prevalent in state and local governments as well as critical portions of our infrastructure and obviously organizations such as the colonial pipeline so most of you are most likely completely unaware that 80% of the critical infrastructure in the United States is actually privately owned and the simple fact is that these organizations do not maintain the same level of cybersecurity as the federal government so this makes these companies much more vulnerable to attack by hackers and in the case of the colonial pipeline and now and this is a company that controls 45 percent of the gas on the east coast of the united states the pipeline was shut down as a means of protecting some of the company's other vital operations and once that happened you know it caused a massive domino effect which resulted in panic buying at the gas pumps so colonial pipeline paid the ransom because in reality the country could not afford to have the pipeline shut down for another three to five days because that meant 
that buses and other mass transit operations would also have to be partially shut down and limit their operations due to the lack of diesel fuel. And additionally, chemical factories and refinery operations would also shut down because there was no way to distribute what they had produced. And to take this a bit further, there simply were no backup systems in place, no truck drivers to move the fuel, and no tanker cars for the trains. So I am sure that the list of lessons learned from this are, are really quite long, and I'm sure that the government and the Colonial Pipeline officials feel the same way, but what we now have seen is a clear example of how little it takes to incite chaos across a large portion of the country. No one has to even break into the core of the electric grid or the operational control systems that move gasoline, water, and propane around the country because something as basic as a well-designed ransomware attack easily accomplishes just that. And after hearing about this, I thought to myself, is it really that simple? You hack into one computer system and you disrupt 50% of the supply of a valuable commodity that serves the entire East Coast of the United States. And now let's talk about the JBS company that was also hacked because this is another good example. The JBS company is the largest beef supplier in the world. The hack of their systems caused meat packing plants to shut down across the United States and Australia. Now, their decision to pay the attackers was really quite different because they simply wanted to protect their files, but most of their systems were actually up and running at the time of the ransom payment. So the interesting part of such scenarios is that this is nothing unusual. The millions of dollars paid is not unusual, and for companies such as Colonial and JBS paying millions of dollars is actually very easy for them to do. Now, I know that by now you are thinking, what the heck all of this has to do with sustainability, but just Bear with me for a bit longer because I'm going to get around to that. So far, I have discussed the Colonial Pipeline and the JBS shutdown. While both of these companies were hacked and shut down for very different reasons, the fact remains is that it resulted in a disruption of the supply chain of a valuable commodity, albeit the shutdown was temporary. Now, while the cybersecurity folks are scrambling around trying to figure out what the heck happened and what lessons there are to be learned, I would contend that as a culture, we have learned absolutely nothing. Because I think it is interesting to sit back and observe just how the infrastructure of this country actually works. Because first of all, in the interest of money, Everything is set up for maximum efficiency. It is more efficient and less costly to have one or two central operation operations than it is to have multiple local facilities scattered across the country. So allow me to give you a couple of examples. 
Instead of having local refineries that supply gasoline to a limited area, it's far less costly to have one central operation and a 5,500 mile pipeline to supply most of the East Coast. It is less costly to pump gas and oil through a pipeline than it is to transport limited quantities via truck or train. It is less costly for a company such as JBS to have centralized operations. Most supermarkets are only going to house maybe two to three days of backstock because everything else is kept in a central warehouse and even that warehouse is tied to supply chains that truly stretch around the world. So the point of all of this is maximum efficiency in order to keep the cost as low as possible and also to keep the company's overhead as low as possible. But as you well know from my episode called Waste Not, Want Not, and Pollute Not, this type of so-called efficiency also results in enormous amount of waste. But then again, to just continue a little bit more down this thought process, what happens when things get disrupted? For example, the Colonial Pipeline shuts down, meat packing facilities shut down, hurricanes shut down operations in the Gulf of Mexico, there is a huge accident at a refinery and oil production gets shut down. There is a worldwide pandemic. A winter storm shuts down everything for a week or more. So the point being is that all of these things can and do happen and it is completely out of your control. Yet it can also dramatically affect your personal lifestyle. But while the infrastructure is set up for maximum efficiency, what you have to understand is that there is no backup system in place. So if something goes wrong, you are completely out of luck. So if the pipeline shuts down, you're out of luck. If a hurricane causes complete destruction, you are out of luck. If a winter storm moves in and shuts down everything for a week or more, you are out of luck. If a pandemic pushed people to the point of panic buying and the supermarket shelves are empty, you are out of luck. So my point being is that these are things you simply cannot control. Yet these are things that control your life. So the least little thing can happen that completely disrupts your life and there is nothing that you can do about it. So while this podcast focuses on sustainable living principles, I also have a blog that's called Off-Grid Living News that focuses on off-grid living. And if you have read my blog post, then you know there is one thing that you will hear me say over and over again. As long as someone else is in control of your resources, they are in fact in control of your life. And that is how this talk about ransomware and hackers 
is directly connected to sustainability and simplicity. So what you have to understand is when there is some sort of major disruption in supply and demand, the government and private industry folks are not thinking about you. They are only thinking about themselves. So for example, when there is a temporary <clears throat> when there is a temporary increase in demand for certain commodities, such as when people are panic buying from the supermarket, companies such as General Mills is only going to increase production to a certain extent. Because otherwise, when the demand ceases, they are stuck with the overhead, such as extra product that they cannot sell and maybe even extra employees that are no longer needed. So what this means is that they are more interested in protecting themselves financially and they are not concerned about you as an individual. And the same is true when Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf of Mexico. New Orleans was absolutely devastated and thousands of people were stuck in the Superdome for emergency sheltering. And it took FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, this is a federal agency, five days to get fresh water to the Superdome. And a certain portion of the troops sent there were specifically instructed to guard the assets of the rich and shoot anyone who tried to get past them. And I know this because I have personal friends who were sent there with the military. So the same is true if there was, was ever a national emergency. The federal government is first going to move to protect national and state leaders, maintain national security, protect vital portions of the infrastructure, the banks, the wealth, and if there is any personnel left after that, then they will look after the people. So what does all of this mean for you and I as individuals? So let me just do a quick recap. We have this enormous and complicated infrastructure that is built for maximum efficiency in order to supply us with our daily needs. But it actually takes very little in order to completely disrupt the supply chain and cause complete chaos, whether that be hackers and oil spill in the Gulf or simply a storm that moves into the area. So in my opinion, it really truly should concern you that it takes so little to completely disrupt the infrastructure that supplies you with your daily needs. But most people feel completely helpless to do anything about that when actually there is a lot that you can do. And in fact, there is an incredible amount of things that you can do. So the answer to this dilemma is to lead a simple, sustainable lifestyle. Now, on one hand, it is very simple, but on the other hand, this can also be very complicated. But as I have said before, I absolutely cannot control the government. I cannot control climate change. I cannot control the oil industry or the beef industry 
or any number of other things that are destroying our environment. But what I can control is my own personal lifestyle and the choices that I make. So we have managed to get our lives to the point that we are 100% sustainable for electricity, water, sewer, shelter, and about 50% sustainable as far as our food supply is concerned. Now, granted, you know, of course, Annette and I have kind of been working on this for 15 years, but so obviously this has taken some time and some slowly refining of our methods, of course, but it has been well worth the effort because we are insulated to a certain degree from a lot of the things that go on in the world that we cannot control. So we keep this simple, basic lifestyle. We home can a tremendous amount of our own food. And in fact, right now, our latest project is five gallons of homemade sauerkraut, which we're going to can here in another week or so. And that will likely last as a year, but it's all going to go in the cellar. And additionally, we keep a large stock of basic dry goods that we dip into and we rotate on a regular basis. But we also, you know, we make our own soap, shampoo, and laundry detergent. And we make our own bread. We raise chickens and turkeys and so that we have a supply of fresh meat and eggs. And not only that, but we have backup systems in place. So if something goes wrong with our solar array, we have backup lighting that is charged on a completely different array. We also have two generators and a supply of gasoline. We also have propane and kerosene lanterns for backup lighting. And if something happens to our water filtration system, we have two other ones set up that can quickly replace the primary one. But this is pretty much how I was raised. When I was a kid, we had two working farms in the family, and, and I truly have no memory of eating store-bought meat until I moved away from home. And when I was growing up, being self-sufficient is truly something that we never really talked about simply because it was the way we lived every day. But there are multiple reasons for my choosing to continue to live this way. But there are also multiple reasons that I have been self-employed for 20 years. And it has a lot to do with the fact that I'm very independently minded and I just don't want someone else making my decisions for me. But the same is true for my self-sufficient and sustainable lifestyle. You know, I will be the first to admit that my lifestyle is really truly not perfect. But just like anything else, it does have its advantages and disadvantages. But I can confidently say that amidst the panic buying during the pandemic, I never worried about anything. So in my mind, the bottom line of being self-sufficient and sustainable, it's really about taking responsibility for everything that you do, everything that you choose to do, and everything that you choose not to do. 
But being responsible for managing your own resources is sometimes it's just not very simple, but being able to do so also gives you the confidence that in the event of an emergency, you at least have the skill and the resources to take care of yourself and your, and your family instead of spending five days in the Superdome without water because the government can't get their act together. But being responsible for yourself and your choices also takes a lot of forethought and planning. So for example, in the case of JBS Meat Packing Company being shut down, if the same were to happen nationwide due to a national emergency, I can at least confidently say that I have 100, 100 quarts of home canned meat and other vegetables in the cellar and I have 150 pounds of meat in the freezer which is run off of solar energy. So if something were to happen to the gasoline supply chain and this commodity were cut off completely for months, again, I have a nice supply of home canned food. We are self-sufficient for water and electricity. So we truly would not have to go anywhere for months. So my point here is that you can no longer afford to sit back and depend on someone else to take care of your needs. That truly is a mistake. You have to learn to take care of yourself. The Colonial Pipeline and the JBS computer hacking is a clear example of just how easy it is for our supply chain and the infrastructure to be completely disrupted. So just don't sit back and allow yourself to be one of the hundreds of people rushing to the supermarket to purchase things at the last minute that you should have already had at home. Don't fall victim to ransomware that disrupt, disrupts our supply chain. Don't sit back and expect the government to swoop in and save the world as well as you when in the event of a major emergency, your personal well-being is in fact the last thing on their mind. So what I'm trying to say is this. Simplify your life and live sustainably. You will not only help the planet, but you will also give yourself a bit more personal security. So think about that. As long as someone else is in control of your resources, they are in fact in control of your life. So take some initiative, a little forethought and planning, a little training, a little learning curve, and you can learn to manage a good portion of your own personal resources. And as I said, you will not only help the planet, but you will also give yourself a bit more personal security. So if you have enjoyed this episode, then please subscribe to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast, as well as my blog, Off Grid Living News. This is your host, Patrick, signing off until next week. Remember to always live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.